0: Many of you know that I usually plan out our sermon schedule a year in advance. So, for example, this this past uh, June, uh, I had worked at preparing our entire sermon plan for the coming year. Well, I I did the same thing last year, and I was really excited the way it works out. Because here's the thing, I mean, you just see the Holy Spirit's orchestration in this. As I was planning the reality that we were going to go through the Gospel of John together this year, and if you remember, we started John all the way back in September, As I was laying out the calendar and the sermon schedule, I came to the Sunday of our outdoor baptism service, and it just so happened to be the Sunday in our sermon series where John brings us to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I thought that that was so cool, because as we're going to see here this morning, baptism is probably the the greatest living representation of of what Jesus has done for us through his death and resurrection on the cross. And we're going to see today, we have ten individuals later this morning who are going to be baptized, and in the act of baptism, they are going to testify to the reality that as Christians, we are here today worshiping a risen Savior, a resurrected Lord. And, and that's why we're here. That's what this is all about. If Jesus hadn't risen from the grave, I mean, we wouldn't be doing any of this today. But it's because we worship a living Savior that we're here this morning. And and I just thought that that was so cool, the way that God worked out the timing of all of this. As one of my friends said to me this week, today we are really celebrating Easter in August, right? This is Easter in August as we come in the Gospel of John to John's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you were with us last week, Pastor Barry, who was here, shared with us those great words from Jesus on the cross. It is finished. And Barry explained the significance of what that means, how Jesus had once and for all time conquered sin, conquered the devil, brought us back into reconciliation with God, and he declared it is finished. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, brother. And by the way, good news, speaking of Pastor Barry, uh, we extended an invitation to him last Sunday after the congregation voted to approve uh, his call. And uh, I'm excited to tell you Pastor Barry said yes and uh, he will officially be joining us on Sunday or I'm, I'm sorry, on uh, September 1st. So uh, in two weeks, we're going to have our new executive pastor with us, and uh, we're super thrilled and excited about that. So amen, yeah. And you can keep praying for Pastor Barry and his family and for our church as we look forward to that, that uh, that new season of transition here. Well, this morning, friends, we're in John chapter 19 and 20. This is the Apostle John's account of Jesus' resurrection from the grave. I want to read for us today, starting in John chapter 19, verse 38. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at the testimony of Jesus' resurrection and the various appearances and and the time he spent with his disciples following his victory over the grave. So this morning we're going to read verses uh, John 19, verse 38 through 20, verse 18. And then I want to come back after reading this passage for us this morning, and I want to highlight three things today that we discover in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Three really profound truths that we discover in Jesus' resurrection. If you got your Bibles and you want to read along with us, we're starting in chapter 19, verse 38. After these things, after the events of the crucifixion, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, But secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran to, went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. Easter and August, friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the the event that forever changed everything for all of us, for all of humanity. And this morning, I want to share with you briefly three things that we discover in this account of Jesus' resurrection from the grave. The first thing we discover in John's account of the resurrection is Jesus' power over sin and death. Jesus' power over sin and death. And and the first thing we need to recognize about the resurrection is that it is the proof of the efficacy of the cross. Now, how many of you are familiar with that word efficacy? Efficacy it's kind of a fancy word but if you don't know what the word efficacy means it basically means that some, that it, that it's useful that it's good for something it's efficacious it has efficacy so for example if i had just recently purchased a new bike, and I wanted to test the bike out for its efficacy as a bicycle, I would check its tires. I would sit on it. I'd pedal it. I'd check the brakes. And and if it all worked and could get me from point A to point B, I would say that, that that bike had efficacy. It was efficacious for riding. All right? Well, in the same way, friends, when we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we find proof to the efficacy of what he did for us on the cross. You see, friends, the resurrection is the validation that the curse has been forever reversed. The resurrection is the proof that the chains of Adam have been shattered by the cross of Christ. The the resurrection is the guarantee that atonement for sin has been made and provision for life abundant has been offered. Yes friends, make no mistake when Jesus declared it is finished, he gave proof to the magnitude of that declaration by rising from the grave. The apostle Paul summarizes the power of the cross and the resurrection like this in Romans chapter 4 verse 25. Paul says, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And in other words, friends, what the Apostle Paul is saying there is that the cross and the resurrection go hand in hand. Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins, but it's the resurrection that gives proof that our justification with God because of the cross is effective, efficacious that what Jesus accomplished really made a difference. And so we look to the cross with hope because Jesus assures us that that hope is real by rising from the grave. The second thing that we see in the resurrection is it guarantees more than just our justification with God, but it also assures us of our gift of eternal life from God. In John eleven twenty five, 25, if you remember, Jesus declared, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Wow. Friends, what an astounding claim. You believe in Jesus, he's the resurrection and the life, you shall never die. I mean, Wow. How how could Jesus say something like this? Well, friends, the reason why Jesus could make this confident declaration is because he is the one who has authority over the grave. Jesus is the final arbiter of life and death. He's the one who has authority over the grave. I want to point out an interesting observation from our passage this morning. If you look at chapter 20 in your Bible, verses 6 and 7, we discover something pretty curious here. In verses 6 and 7 of our passage, Simon Peter and John, they arrive at the grave. And verse 6 tells us that Simon Peter came and he went into the tomb and he saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Friends, do you know that this is the second time in John's gospel where John mentions grave clothes? The second time that John mentions grave clothes. Do you remember when the first was? John chapter 11, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave. How many of you remember the story of Lazarus we covered a few months ago? Remember Lazarus, one of Jesus' closest friends, had been dead for four days. And Jesus comes to Bethany and he calls Lazarus to arise and come out of the tomb. And friends, do you remember when Lazarus walked out of that tomb, raised to life, Remember what Lazarus was wearing? Lazarus was still dressed in his grave clothes. Lazarus came out of the tomb with his grave clothes on. But here, in John chapter 20, at the resurrection of Jesus, we discover that Jesus' grave clothes were still in the tomb. Now, friends, why is that? Well, understand this. Lazarus would one day need his grave clothes again because Lazarus was one day going to die again, but not Jesus. Jesus didn't need those grave clothes anymore. Jesus came out of the tomb victorious, risen from the grave, the one who has authority over life and death. Jesus conquered death, proving that he is the resurrection and the life. This is why the Apostle Paul could confidently proclaim in Philippians 1.21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Friends, can you say that this morning? To, to live is to live for Christ? I mean, life in this world is all about living as an ambassador for Jesus, living for his priorities, living for his honor, for his glory, for his fame. Live for Christ. But Paul then says, and to die... To die is gain. How many of you believe that this morning? Why is death gain for the Christian? Death is gain for us as Christians because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, he shall live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me, Jesus says, will never die. Friends, this is our great hope as followers of Jesus. Jesus Christ has conquered the grave. And in conquering the grave, he has given us proof that what he did for us on the cross was meaningful and effective. And in raising from the dead, he has proven his authority over the grave so that we can trust in him as the resurrection and the life. Now, the second thing we discover in our passage this morning as we look at the resurrection is we discover in the resurrection of Jesus Christ our position in God's family. We discover our position in God's family. It's very interesting. Did you know over 100 times in John's gospel, Jesus refers to God as the Father or my Father? Over 100 times, Jesus speaks of God as the Father or my Father. But here in John chapter 20, following his resurrection from the grave, for the very first time... Jesus declares to his disciples that God is your father. Also, for the very first time, he calls his disciples his brothers. In verse 17, Jesus says to Mary, he says to Mary, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers. First time he calls his disciples, his brothers. Go to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Friends, something very significant has taken place in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where Jesus now calls us, his disciples, brothers, where Jesus now says that his father is now our father. What's taken place because of the resurrection, friends? Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, Because of what Jesus did, rising from the grave, our position with God has forever been changed. We are no longer rebels. We are no longer caught in our sins, separated from God, living in rebellion against him. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, when we trust in him by faith, and because of his resurrection, which is the guarantee, the proof of our justification, we now have been reconciled to God. We now have the right to call God Father. And Jesus says, you are my brothers. And we together this morning who trust Jesus, we are the family of God. What an incredible privilege, friends, to call ourselves children of God. My family this past year has had some fun getting reacquainted with the Little House on the Prairie TV series. We were, uh, we were visiting my in-laws in Georgia over Christmas, and they had, uh, they had a channel on their satellite network that was playing Little House reruns for 24 hours a day. I mean, so we would just sit there. We were watching Little House on the Prairie. And if you haven't seen it in a while, i got to tell you, Little House on the Prairie is probably the greatest TV show ever made. I mean, it is just absolutely incredible. But one of the great storylines in the Little House on the Prairie series is when the Ingalls family adopt this homeless orphan boy named Albert and bring him into their family. And if you remember that part of the story, Albert was this homeless orphan. He was living on the streets of Mankato. He was lying, cheating, stealing, just doing anything he could to survive. And, and the Ingalls brought him into their home. And at first things were going well, but eventually Albert started stealing from the Ingalls. He started lying to the Ingalls. He started running away from the Ingalls. And if you remember, one day Charles chased Albert through the streets And hunted him down and found him in his hiding place. And he went in and he embraced Albert as Albert struggled against him. And Charles said to Albert, from this day forward, you will call me Pa. You will call me Pa. You have a home. You have a family. You have a father. And friends, that's what Jesus Christ has done for us through his cross and resurrection Jesus Christ embraces us. And he says, from this day forward, you will call me Father. And we are the family of God because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. What a privilege, friends. If you remember all the way back in the second week of our series in John, all the way back last September, we saw John in his prologue. In John chapter 1, 12 through 13, John says this, to all who believed him, To all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. What a great privilege, friends. When you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, when you ask him to forgive you of your sins, to, to cleanse you of your rebellion, your unrighteousness, Jesus applies his sacrifice on the cross to you. And because of the proof of the efficaciousness of the cross, when Jesus rose from the grave, we can know with confidence, friends, that we truly are part of God's family. We can know with confidence that through faith in Jesus Christ, his invitation into his family is certain and trustworthy and guaranteed because Jesus rose from the grave. We are the family of God. The third thing we discover in our passage this morning on the resurrection of Jesus Christ is we discover our proclamation as God's people. We discover the the basis of our testimony as the people of God. I want to take you back to verse 17 in chapter 20. Before Jesus tells Mary to, to go to his disciples and, and tell them, I'm going to your father and my father and, and that you're now my brothers. Before Jesus tells Mary to go and, and share that message, in verse 17, there's an interesting statement that Jesus makes to Mary. Jesus says to Mary, Mary, do not cling to me. Do not cling to me for I have not yet gone to the Father. Now, that's kind of a weird statement, right? I mean, here's, here's Mary, one of his closest disciples, and, and she thinks her Lord has died and that he's gone, and she's gone to his grave, and the body's missing, and she's all overwhelmed with concern and fear, and she's dismayed, and Jesus shows up. And what is the logical response, friends? The logical response would be to run to Jesus and want to embrace Jesus and cling to Jesus. Jesus. But Jesus says to Mary, do not cling to me. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet gone to my father. Why would Jesus say this to Mary, friends? The reason Jesus told Mary to not cling to him is because Jesus had a mission for Mary. Jesus had a cause, a purpose for Mary to go and share the good news with others that he is risen. Jesus didn't want her to spend her time clinging to him, but go and give the news that the Lord has risen to others. You know something, friends? I think there are a lot of Christians in our world today who come to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and the rest of their lives, they spend their lives clinging to Jesus they're so grateful for what he's done in their salvation and and they just want to worship him and adore him and and so their whole life as christians revolves around just clinging on to jesus and giving thanks and worshiping and and there's nothing wrong with that friends but understand this jesus is saying here to mary and to all of us look at we've got all eternity to cling to jesus We got the rest of eternity to cling to Jesus. Now is the time to go and share the good news with others that Jesus is risen. He is the King of kings, He is the Lord of lords, the one who rules and reigns today as a living Savior. And in verse 18, we find our proclamation as Christians. Mary goes to the disciples, and she says to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Friends, this is our testimony as Christians. This is our proclamation. This is the message that we have to share with the world. I have seen the Lord. Now, now we might not have the privilege of... Being like Mary and having seen Jesus physically. But I'll tell you something, friends. Every single one of us here this morning who's been transformed by Jesus, who's entered into a personal relationship with Jesus, is living proof to the testimony that Jesus is alive, that he's risen from the grave. And every single one of us here this morning can declare, I have seen the Lord. You see, when you trust in him by faith, you begin to experience, you begin to see the reality of his resurrection power at work in your life. You begin to realize that Jesus is not just some fancy story, but he is a living Savior who promises, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And friends, I can tell you this morning that I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord transform the life of a rebellious teenager into somebody on fire for God, committing to living for Jesus. I have seen the Lord come alongside couples in the midst of a a bitter, broken marriage and help them experience healing and reconciliation. I have seen the Lord stand with families through terrible battles with cancer and illness and sickness and show himself faithful to them in the midst of those trials. I have seen the Lord in a hospital room as an elderly man says goodbye to his wife who's on hospice care and experiences the Prince of Peace sitting right there in their midst with them. I have seen the Lord time and time again, friends. Jesus Christ is alive today. Jesus Christ rules and reigns today. And we have hope in this world because as his followers, we worship a living Savior. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes. Friends, do you know the power of God in your life? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ, the one who can forgive you of your sins and the one who promises to come and live alongside you in a personal relationship and and give you the reality of his resurrection power at work in your life as well? You can, friends. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you can. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Not maybe, not possibly. Jesus says, look it, Paul says, look at if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you too can know God's resurrection power in your life. I hope there's nobody here who hasn't experienced that for themselves. And if that's something you want this morning, you too can experience that even today by putting your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. You too can know the power of a relationship with a living Savior, the God who rules and reigns, the one who conquered the grave, the one who forgives us of our sins and promises us the hope of eternal life. I mentioned earlier this morning that this is what we're celebrating here today in these baptisms that we're going to witness in a few minutes. Baptism, friends, really is just a living example, a display, an evidence of what Christ has done for us personally in bringing us to new life, cleansing us of our sins, and and raising us to new life with God. In a few minutes, Pastor Justin and I are going to get in the pool with our baptism candidates. And we're going to stand there in the pool. And and as we baptize each of the individuals, we are going to dunk them. And as we dunk them, we're going to say, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, why do we say that? We say that, friends, because as we saw in our passage this morning, baptism is a representation of what Christ has done for us because of his resurrection from the grave buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. In other words, our old self has now died to sin and we've been raised to new life, to eternal life with God. And we now live in light of the reality that we are forever children of God, part of God's family. And our lives from this day forward are to be a living testimony to what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's what baptism is all about. That's what we're here to witness. That's what we're here to celebrate in these 10 individuals this morning who have made the choice to follow the Lord in obedience, to bear witness to the reality of what he's done in their lives and to testify publicly before hundreds of people what Jesus means to them. I'm so excited for these individuals who we're going to introduce to you here in a few minutes. At this time, before I close in prayer, this, this message I want to say goodbye to those who are watching us online this morning. We're not going to be live streaming the baptism portion of our worship service. So for those of you watching online this morning, let me just say thank you so much for joining us. And I want to invite you to continue worshiping with us right now by praying for the 10 men and women, boys and girls, who are going to be baptized here this morning. You can join us by praying that God would bless them and encourage them as they go into that baptismal pool and that their testimonies would have a profound effect on all of us here who are, who are witnesses to them. So thank you for being a part of our service this morning. Friends, I'm going to invite you to join me. Let's bow our heads. Thank the Lord for the reality of our salvation because he is a living Savior. And as I'm praying, I'm going to invite our baptism candidates to come forward to the stage and line up next to Pastor Justin here, and then we'll continue with our testimonies shortly. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you are a risen Savior. Jesus, you went to the cross. You paid the penalty for our sins. You took our sins upon yourself so that we could be washed and cleansed and forgiven once and for all by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You hung there and you declared, it is finished. Once and for all, no more sacrifices are needed because you were the perfect Lamb of God the once-for-all-time substitutionary atonement for our sin. Jesus, we thank you. And we thank you that you gave proof to the efficacy of the cross by rising from the grave. You conquered the grave. You are victorious over death. And you say that you are the resurrection and the life to all who trust and believe in you. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the hope the hope of new life, the hope of eternal life with God because you have conquered the grave and you give all who trust in you your resurrection power. Lord, help us to rejoice in that reality today. Easter in August, you are risen. You are the king. You rule and reign forevermore, and we are here today to give you the honor and glory. Lord, bless our friends now as they come and share their testimonies with us, as they speak to the power of the transformation that you've made in their lives. And Lord, we just pray that this time would be a special time of blessing for them as they step out in faith and obedience to follow you and your command be baptized as a testimony to the world of what you've done in their hearts and in their lives. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all this in your great name. Amen. Hi everybody, Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church, you can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free, and you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests and we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week and we will look forward to seeing you soon.